Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction, and free shipping, and that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements, featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com slash ACAST and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. Welcome to No Small Roles Superfan Chats, the show where we recap episodes, discuss fan theories, and generally nerd out over what has happened in the last few episodes of No Small Roles. I'm Superfan Hannah, and I'm with Superfan Sam. Hello. And Superfan Pippa. Hello. And today we're going to be discussing episodes 33 to 36. Yes, we are big episodes puzzly 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 can't wait to get into this i hope that you guys have wrapped your heads around it because i struggled at times uh, my, my brain has exploded <laughs> but we'll see what we can do i mean it was cool to listen to but sometimes i really struggle to visualize where they were and i'm a super fan but i don't know if i'm super fan enough to start drawing my own maps as i listen I gave it a go. Oh, wow. Uh, it's more like, again, like amazing listening. But there were just times where I was like, hang on a sec. We need to then relay this to somebody else as if we really understand what's going on. So we have to be properly on top of this. <laughs> I have no idea where to start. Um, but I'm looking forward to giving it a go. This is where I admit to you both that when they said the words cube... I literally imagined like a three by three block, you know, like three. Oh, on the yeah. Air. I thought they were in a Rubik's cube. Yeah. Right. Like as in a cube, as in like a, a cube net. Yeah. No. Once I've seen that that map, it was OK. But that took me a while to realise that was what they meant by cube. Ah, uh, yes. The map that was posted on Patreon. Mm-hmm. If you want to see the map, go to Patreon. I'm still looking forward to the next 18 rooms. Would it be <laughs> if it's a cube? I can't think. What's maths? What is maths yeah I, I've no idea I don't know I was expecting nine of them but oh my god yeah it was I mean it was amazing to listen to but it was also like what is happening I mean we we also uh we did chat with David about this on no small questions he revealed that he works in an escape room so this is the reason behind all of this genius uh and it, it really is it I was just sitting there like there is no chance in hell that I would be coming up with this for my players sorry guys if you're listening it's not gonna happen i think there's no chance in hell i would be good enough to solve it either so <laughs> you've got other strengths guys you've got other strengths we've all got other strengths this is true yes unfortunately none of them would help us pass the first room so we'd be a bit squish <laughs> yes we are not wingthrups i'd rather not be a wingthrup given what we know now <laughs> yeah. talking of um talking of wingthrups oh do you want to recap the first episode I think, yeah, yeah. Let's dive into it. Um, okay, I got the first episode. Fortunately, there was only one puzzle in mine, and I will get to that a little bit later, because it certainly puzzled me. Uh, <laughs> but I was covering episode 33, The Golden Forest. Uh, so we picked up right from the last episode where a load of these possessed artificial limbs are fleeing from Therosene's workshop uh, and the party are kind of like giving chase after them. Gwendolyn is able to lock one of them down with her dope monk skills, but the majority of these hands kind of get lost in the underbrush of this courtyard uh, and manage to get away. There's a nice moment with Enkidu and Juna having a little fly around and Juna leaning into that witchy kind of vibe. What they did kind of work out before they lost track of them was that they were heading in the general direction of the town. But having lost them, these hugely erect things, eh, Vicky? <laughs> uh, and yeah, they do, they do unfortunately get away. They kind of decide, because obviously Therapocene's a bit put out by this, to give her some kind of alibi. And they release the final hand and kind of advise her to say that it was stolen by a third party, uh, which isn't entirely untrue. They then decide to give their goodbyes after a meal and they head into the Golden Forest. 
Juna, while they're in the forest, has a less than successful conversation with a chipmunk. Who sounds like James Acaster. If you ever listen back to it, he just sounds exactly like James Acaster. Oh my God, he does. I know, right? I puzzled over that for ages. <laughs> I was like, who is he reminding me of? Oh, wow. <laughs> I didn't even think about it. I'm going to have to go back and listen to it a third time. Uh, but they're kind of walking through the forest for a little while and then they decide to have a rest on a very uh, lovely looking grassy knoll. Enkidu and Juna take the first watch and Juna's kind of like looking around for components because she has an idea of using this fine familiar spell to change Ruana from being a goose into a black cat. And during this, Enkidu kind of opens up a little bit and he mentions that Alcibiades, in the last conversation that they had, seems to be going through some kind of personality shift and he can't really work out why that is, but it may be important later down the line. Gaius and Gwen wake up to take the second watch and uh, Gwen is able to kind of convince Gaius to talk about his family a little bit more. Yes. Uh, he goes into this story about his mother and we learn that, well, I mean, we don't necessarily learn because anything from Guy could be a lie. Uh, <laughs> but he definitely tells us that there was some kind of plague that killed his mother. And he kind of goes on to say that it, it got his siblings as well, which when kind of further pressed, he reveals that he has a few siblings. He has Brutus. He has Cassius, and he says he has a sister called Angeline. And then he decides to correct his lie and mentions his sister, Treya. Alarm bells, anyone? Yeah, absolutely. And he says that his sister, Treya, got, uh, and his brother, got tangled up in the wrong crowd. Obviously, this is hearkening back to Berrien Fields when a certain letter was found with his sister's name on it. Hex, hex, hex. Mm-hmm. But all of a sudden, just as he's opening up, this mound that they're sitting on rises up and begins to try to swallow Gaius, uh, which commences this battle time against the shambling mound, which uh, is, as it sounds, a big heap of plants that likes to eat people. <laughs> That's such a good description of a shambling <laughs> mound. Perfect. I love it. <laughs> Thank you. Uh, and then it, it kind of it attempts to shamble away into the forest uh, to enjoy its little Gaius snack in peace. And they all start smashing it up. Uh, instantly gets lit up with the fairy fire wands that they can all kind of like pelt it with their magic. Uh, you have Ruana moves in to help Guy out, basically giving him advantage on his check to break the grapple. Mm -hmm. You have Enkidu running in, preparing to cast Thunderstep, uh, this being a surefire way of getting Guy out of trouble. Uh, but he chooses quite nobly to hold the action until the others are out of range. So uh, we have Enkidu, Gwen, Aggie and Ruana gathered around Gaius trying to help him out. And here's my puzzle. So Guy casts Thunderwave, uh, which instantly kills Aggie and Ruana. No. Pushes Enkidu backwards and kind of like really badly hurts everybody. But he's still stuck inside this mound. He panicked. Which then swallows him even more. So he's just like further down with no help. We then move to Gwen, who manages to kind of pull Guy out uh, of his little prison that he's made for himself. Uh, and they, they change tactic at this point to kind of like either flee from this thing or try and get it to flee. And Enkidu does, he does an insane amount of damage with Eldritch Blast. Mm. You know, and I think he eventually kills it with Eldritch yep. Blast as well. But, you know, it's going well by this point. So Orin realises that he hasn't actually helped this creature yet. So he pumps it full of lightning and heals it uh, to keep this fight going a little bit longer. Um, <laughs> Orin, yeah, again. I mean, I love that this is his thing. Um, and I hope it is a running joke and that Ben decides to do it officially and help out every monster that they fight just a little bit. We just have a T-shirt that says, oh, Orin. <laughs> it's just further confirming my theory that he is actually the big bad of the campaign. Oh, he's Crowl. I, I did have a, a no. chat about, you can make that fit. You can make it fit if you if you really, really work at it. There's some tenuous threads, but you can, yeah, yeah. You know, he could be. You know, he just needs to put a bit of grumble into his voice and he's there already. <laughs> uh, anyway, they eventually manage to take this thing down and kind of the episode finishes as they scan the area just to make sure that there aren't any more of these things. And David ominously <laughs> tells us that there is no way of them knowing. Oh. Uh, and that's by the end of the episode. Oh, what a good episode. Uh-huh. Gaius backstory yes i know yes 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 how much do we trust this is the thing we he, just can't he, know it's so easy for him to lie he even says it in this bit is like uh lying is like bread and butter to me sometimes they just flop out so mm. i don't know did his mum die by plague are his siblings responsible for the scarring on his face how deep into the hex are they how much does gaius know about them being the hex 
yeah, I'm just questions. It's going to come back to, to bite us in a big way, isn't it, at some point? Yeah. We kind of finally felt like we were getting somewhere with the story, and then David's like, oh, yeah, you know, what's your armor oh, by class, the way, by Shambling the way? Mountain, You're getting you eaten, yeah. Yeah, it's just his way of making sure he doesn't reveal too much. Oh, yeah. That sense of, like, how much is he involved with the Hex? How much does he know about the Hex? Are the Hex the ones that gave him his scars? Were his siblings part of that mm. situation? And how much do the Hex know about him and the party he's mm. traveling with? It works both ways. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And is his name even Gaius? I mean, we're... <laughs> what is his last name? You know, while, while we're on this line, because there are revelations coming up in the next episode mm-hmm. that just kind of like makes you think, well, he probably doesn't even know this stuff about himself. He's just chosen a name and he's gone off to be a bard. We don't even know if he's a proper bard. He <laughs> might be a bard rogue monk. Like, I, I just don't know when it comes to guys. He alluded to something about performance not being his best skill. Which is bizarre for exactly. a bard. I and know, actually, right? this was mentioned, Pippa, I don't know if you picked this up, but David mm. said something about uh, rolling the stats, Chris rolled ridiculously well. Yes. And he chose to give himself a low charisma. And he kind of played this off as like, he wanted to be learning, like, you know, gaining charisma as the story went along. So where did he put those good stats? It's definitely not in strength. No. We know that much. He's got a long sword that he can't use. <laughs> so where are they? It's got to be in dex. One of them's got to be in dex. But his armor class is only 14. It's very strange. I'm, mm. I was confused. That's so frustrating. Chris, you're full of secrets. I know. <laughs> Give them to me. <laughs> but it's also Chris is the most open, lovely guy. And like he's playing this like, I will hold on to every little nugget of information. Oh dear. He's the most uh. lovable liar. <laughs> <laughs> it's so interesting. Um, Personally, I've noticed a trend with actors that the most lovely people play the best villains. Mm. It's really interesting. Like the actors that seem like the kindest, the most down to earth play the best. Like they portray the best performances of villains I've ever seen. Kill you with a smile kind of thing. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Well, they're just really good at being really awful because maybe that's like their only outlet and they don't need to do it anywhere else. I don't know. But like, it's fascinating. It's what they've always wanted to be, but feel like they can't. (laughs) (laughs) They have the theatre to explore their dark side. (laughs) Do you guys remember the Shambling Mound was the first Patreon decided encounter? Yeah. It was the chipmunks. Oh, yeah. And the Shambling Mound, if you go and scroll back down to the bottom and have a look, they were the two that got the highest votes. So this is where where we've kind of picked up on our own decisions. I remembered the Shambling Mounds. I didn't remember the Chipmunks. Mm, Yeah, Chipmunks was on there (laughs) as well. You know what? David blended that in so seamlessly. I barely noticed. Yeah, it didn't disappoint. I was just like, oh, this actually really makes sense for this to happen. So I'm really excited to see how the other um, Patreon polls go. Yeah, it's nice that we're starting to sort of see the fruits of those polls coming through. Yeah, yeah, 100%. Plus the way that he described it it's like he kind of described this mound as idyllic you know it's like oh it's got little flowers growing on it and it's it looks really comfortable so make sure that you sit there because i want to eat you with it yeah yeah again one of the nicest people and yet the evil the trickery here it is evil genius oh that is so true um, I, I, one thing that they mentioned in this as well because we talked about this before the podcast is the hay fever so if you're hearing bunged up noses and stuff like that today it's because we are suffering from it it's that time of year but they also got them to roll to see whether they suffer from hay fever which I've never seen in D&D before but <laughs> yeah. you know just having a mild allergy so or something you know and having that play on oh the little realism in there and Kidi was very sniffly yeah yeah I feel like Guy <laughs> so Guy rolled a 19 to see that he doesn't have hay fever but then David also described this Shambling Mounders like trying to grow sticks into his nose, so maybe he has it now. Yeah, Mm, maybe it's been implanted in him. Ew, ew. What's happened to the hands? What has happened to the hands? Oh gosh, good question. I mean, presumably they've made their way back down to the workshop where they came from. Yeah, I just, I I still have big alarm bells questions Mm -hmm. over who is controlling these things. How much do they actually know? Mm -hmm. Because it is mentioned. I think Chris says like, oh, I don't think this is going to be the thing that outs us. (laughs) I don't know. Maybe. You never know. I don't know. You know, this is a ridiculously powerful magical family. And if they are behind this, then chances are they do know everything that's going on in that workshop. Mm -hmm. I wouldn't be surprised if they have some kind of like Sentry is a level two spell. Could easily have that in a workshop just tucked away in one of these devices. It's quite clear that that Therosene doesn't keep it clean. Yeah. Oh, my God. It could be in the, the test golem that was installed that it could have Sentry in it. Easy. Yeah. Yeah. Dun, dun, dun. Oh, dear. They're screwed. (laughs) (laughs) 
Oh, it's so unnerving not being able to trust anything on a surface level at all. Yeah. Yeah, because I, I just have a sneak suspicion that when it, there are no loose ends when it comes to David. I feel like he has thought of everything, or at least he thinks about the things that people miss and decide to leave yep. to one side. And then it's like, oh, you know, I can, I can use that later as some form of punishment. Layers upon layers upon layers. Punishment. I love the way you characterize it as punishment as opposed <laughs> punishment, to a plot yeah. twist. <laughs> Punish your players. <laughs> Shall I crack on and give us the next episode? Oh, yeah, yeah, Please. go on, because the next one has some big revelations. Because I've got a so, lot yeah. to talk about. Get in there. Okay, so episode 34 is called Where the Compass Points. And um, I have quite a, a long list of, of points here because <laughs> so much happens in this episode. Yeah, g- good luck. It blew to my keep mind. To five minutes. <laughs> uh, yeah, right, I'll do my best. So having survived this shambling mound encounter, Enkidu investigates it and um, he discovers that they are creatures given life by lightning who disguise themselves inside the forest and trap their food, a bit like kind of walking Venus flytrap. That's how I kind of imagined it anyway. Yeah, yeah, that's good. And Juna collects a little bit of the mound and uses it for fine familiar to bring back Rowana as the little black cat. And she also returns that lost pearl to Orin. So when when guys did Thunderwave in the previous episode, the pearl went flying off 15 feet as well. And they spent a good amount of time trying to find it. She found it. She gives it back to Orin. They finish their long rest camped on top of the dead shambling mound, which actually I thought was a good idea. Enkidu and Orin experiment with Counterspell and uses it to kind of have a little play around extinguishing Orin's blowtorch. It's going to be useful (laughs) in the future, I reckon. Orin pairs Aggie, turns her into Aggie too. She's got an extra little teaspoon for a bit of armour. And he also sets to work building his own travelling workshop. They set off the next morning. Gwen climbs a tree to try and work out how much further there is to go. They think there's about another four hours before they reach a sort of triangular area of trees that look like they're Mm. a bit more stunted than the rest of the forest. I'm wondering why they're stunted rather than being even more sort of luxurious. Maybe luxurious isn't the word for a tree, but you would maybe think that if they've got all this energy, maybe the trees nearer the workshop would have been growing better. But oh, Yeah, like a more lush area of Yeah, forest. like a more lush yeah. forest. It was kind of felt like it was the wrong way around. Well, I didn't know. I didn't a bit know sinister. Maybe there's some kind of like ceiling on this magical oh, field that keeps people in and out. Was was my logic behind it anyway? Yeah, maybe I'm thinking it's too sinister. It probably is. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It could well be. Who knows? So they reach the line between the flourishing trees and the smaller ones. Rowana manages to cross over the line, but nobody else crosses the line initially. Juno sort of uses fly and zooms around and does a little sweep of the perimeter just to see what she can see. And she notices two golems in a sort of slight clearing in the middle. Orin uses his goggles. He detects abjuration magic from beyond this line. Gaius then tries to step over the line and realises he can't do it. (laughs) Smashes his face on this kind of invisible wall. (laughs) They realise it must be because they need to hold the compass to get over the line. It's kind of like a little mini test to even get anywhere near this workshop. So they each step over the line and throw the compass back to the next person and they each get across the line and make their way towards these golems. And Kido and Juna approach them first. The blue faces appear on them. And they state that there are multiple potential spouses detected. So the golems are going to now tell them exactly who is who and solve this puzzle that we've been talking about, about who is the wingthrop. And they all go up in various kind of combinations. And we eventually deduce that, as we suspected, Orin is a wingthrop. Check. But... Psychic Hannah had it in the last one. Yeah. So is Gaius. Yes, I felt so vindicated. I know, you called it. (laughs) I know, we're just going to take everything you say as gospel from now on because you just nail it every time. (laughs) I mean, we didn't guess that both of them would be Wingthrops. This is true, yeah. There was a lot of stuff being banded around, but I was was not expecting it to be like, oh, there's two of them, okay. What are the odds? Mm. I'm still, there's a tiny piece of me wondering that it's only picking up Gaius because he's got those metal plates in his bag at this point. I'll be bitterly disappointed if that is the case, Mm. but I've got just a little tiny thing in my head. There is a chance, yeah. Very small. After this kind of massive revelation, they activate the maze and a little trapdoor opens, revealing a staircase that takes them underground. They descend down this brass corridor. I think David describes it as being like inside a jewellery box almost. Mm. They reach a door at the far end. It's got no handle, but it's got a little sigil in white. As they push that one open, the door that leads back to the outside world closes and they're locked in. They enter the first room, which is a 60 foot square. It's got a door with a gold sigil at the opposite end. And in the middle of the room is a small square table with an ornately decorated brass table leg. And on the table is some kind of copper wire on a spool and four metal clamps. And suddenly the walls start closing in. They've got about 30 seconds to solve the puzzle before they're all crushed to death. (laughs) 
Squishy, squishy. Squishy, squishy. What a brilliant one to start off with, though. Like, time limit for your very first puzzle. That was such a brilliant way of just making everybody spur into action. Just a brilliant TPK as well. Like, I, I mean, that that would have been a hell of an end to the yeah, podcast. Yeah, yeah. Can you imagine if it just Yeah, and you're stopped. all crushed to death. It's like, oh, we made it to episode 34, guys. Oh, well done. Okay, bye. <laughs> Definitely made everyone pay attention. That's for sure. Yeah. Oh, I know. So orange goggles reveal the table leg contains transmutation magic. Gwen picks up the top of the table to free the leg. Gaia starts attaching clamps to things, to like the leg and the copper wire, and everyone's kind of panicking and not really sure what to do. Gwen and Gaia check the table and glimpse some writing etched on the edge. They find a clue which says, turn the cogs K. Gaius finds a cog, he turns it and he realises he can suddenly pick up the table leg. As the others are kind of floundering to solve this puzzle, Gaius continues to move the cog and he finds it then locks the table in place again. And then Oren suddenly realises that the table is like the key to solving this puzzle and to getting the walls to stop moving in. They've not got many actions left by this point either. There's sort of only maybe a couple of them who have got time to do anything else. And Kiru takes the table to one of the walls, Gwen twists the cog and the table leg locks in midair. And then the walls stop either end of the table leg so they've literally got about a three foot corridor left to be able to climb through but they have solved the puzzle and they haven't been killed so it's all good and then the door clicks open they take the the tabletop and the spool and the clamps with them as they go through this gold sigil door and into the next room which is filled with pistons which are not currently moving and then there are three more doors on the other three walls there's a a green door ahead there's a, a red door to the left and there's a blue door to the right. The red and the blue are both blocked off by these pistons, but they can get to the green. Juna has another investigate and she finds another clue from Kay, which describes a hidden crawl space in the middle of the room. Mm. Gaius goes in to have a look. He finds a silver sigil on the floor, which marks like where this safe spot is. And there are two silver metal rods in the floor and a small control panel with a little on off switch. And Kiri reaches the green door, which is not locked. There's a very quick look inside, sees a big 30 foot furnace, which they'll come back to later. And another two doors inside that one as well. Oren gets into the crawl space and once everyone's clearing inside the forge room sort of doorway, they leave the doors kind of propped open. Oren turns on the pistons. And they manage to leave the green and the blue doors accessible. And as they enter the blue room, that's where we finish off that episode. So we've seen the first two puzzles, basically. The first two rooms. Oh, well done with that as well. You described that really well. Oh. I didn't know how you were going to do it. but <laughs> That was really impressive. I got there. Just bullet through it. <laughs> oh, my word. I really enjoyed this one, though. It was yeah. brilliant. Yeah, yeah. So good. Also, okay, can we please talk about the uh, Winthrop yeah. revelation? Yeah. Yes, please do. Go for it, Hannah. Tell me about the Winthrop revelation. <laughs> well, one of my questions is how closely are they related to the Winthrops? Is it like cousins? Is it cousins removed? Is it actual direct descendants? Like, are their parents Winthrops? Yeah. And also, therefore, how are Orin and Guy related? Yeah. yeah. I mean, there's some kind of species thing here as well, isn't there? A race thing? Because I think, isn't Gaius a half-elf and Orin is a human? Yes, yes he so is. So yeah. it maybe yeah. isn't perhaps immediate family. I mean, it might be. And the Wingthrop well that we've encountered a, a human so far. To my knowledge, yeah, I think so. There's two two more we haven't met, met, but we've heard of. So maybe not. We, know we haven't met Quanta in particular. Oh, yeah, mm-hmm. of course. I mean, I, I am, there's a large part of me hoping that, and I mean, this will be revealed as we learn, hopefully learn a bit more about Gaius's family, is yeah. whether they are actually, you know, it's funny that Myra's like, my family aren't my family. Yeah. <laughs> are Gaius's family his family? True. Um, you know, or were they two siblings that were separated at birth? You know, one of them was mm-hmm. effectively discarded yeah. to the Woden Isles and the other one given to another prominent family in some other location would explain the, the different accents and the different upbringings. But I, w- I mean, I would love if they were brothers. <laughs> um, or if they were both discarded, one sent to the Woden Isles and then one with the elf parent because mm-hmm. the Winthrop's a human and there's some kind of horrible racism thing going on. Yeah, could be. Yeah. Or they could be really distantly related, like first or second, third cousins. You know, um, it's just literally a Wingthrop has married into the family that the Gaius is a part of, and therefore he is he's got Wingthrop blood. And then who knows? Orin could be like have more blood of the Wingthrop, which makes sense for like the weird tattoo that he has. And sure, I don't know. I mean, again, more questions. <laughs> there is also something to do with the fact that if we're linking it to sort of like the wider world 
there are sort of like invading forces and there are sort of politics where like the elves live in this place and the the orcs live in Orkosh and there's yep. real divisions. Mm-hmm. So I don't know. There's some mysterious politics happening. It sounds like a very kind of old, well-established family name as well. So it's going to go back hundreds, if not thousands of years. Yeah. But we also don't know the the blood value of this test. Like, can anybody within the slightest degree of Wingthrup blood do they then qualify for the test or does it have to be like you are heavily wingthrop and therefore you are an untested wingthrop you know how mm. we don't know how those golems measure well there's the there is the the spouse thing as well where yeah, if yeah. you're a potential spouse you can do it but then it, it would say yeah you're a potential spouse so i guess yeah question still stands how much wingthrop do you need to qualify as an untested wingthrop as opposed yeah. to a potential yeah. spouse and are they are they different mazes does the maze kind of set itself differently if you're doing it as an individual as opposed to a group is it kind of like adding up that. how much everyone is contributing and not all yeah. of them are going to pass at the end oh my god that is, is it the same yeah. maze every time or is it like do they change the maze every year do they set different mm-hmm. tests every year so people can't like, like tell their give cousin each other cliff yeah. Notes. yeah yeah exactly, exactly. Yeah. it's like oh myra I just did the test uh yeah. make sure that you get the dispel wand or whatever mm, uh, yeah. yeah i mean <laughs> take that, some batteries with you yeah mm. exactly just bring things to cheat mm. oh look for k's look for k's everywhere guys <laughs> yeah <laughs> just before we we leave the thing with the whole like finding out about the the who were the wingthrops i love that daryl said beforehand or even in kidu was like there are bigger mysteries at play that we need to find out i think everyone at home was like no no yeah, Enkidu, no, we need to this know. is we the mystery we want to know the answers to yeah 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 uh, <laughs> <laughs> we need to know now it'll only take five minutes and exactly. then you can have your maze yeah <laughs> who is k k who is k i think it's Crow. i mean oh. yeah it was my first thought as well because i can't think of anybody else it's who the obvious k. name beginning with k but then yeah. as we've said before david doesn't do obvious no but yeah but Kral also uh... messes with time travel and i feel like he's connected to the wingthrop somehow mm. yeah well, I mean, yeah. we, we know he is because, well, actually, we don't necessarily know he is, but I think we, the Wingthrops were some of the original founders of the consortium, or have I got that wrong? Yeah, no, that's, that's right, I think isn't it? There was so a they would, yeah, they would exactly. have known each other. Mm-hmm. But it's also like, you know, Crow was very, very familiar with them to begin with. And that's yeah. not just because they end up killing him in certain timelines. There was a familiarity with them of like, oh, no, this is the incorrect path for you to be on. I need to intervene at this point. Yeah. On a different timeline, he could very well wanted to help them out in this situation. True. Yeah. So, yeah, you know. And what did destroying the table do to the timelines? Mm. Because. Yeah, true. In there's this paradox, timeline. isn't there? Yeah. Well, yeah, because in this timeline, by this point, Kral is dead. So there's no way Kral could have left the clues. But. If something's happened with the timelines to do with the table, because they all also got to see each other's pasts, Mm. which indicates there's some sort of reality bending or merging or something's happening. Yeah. What, like, Kral is not over. He's here somehow. You don't just get rid of a lich that easily. He's coming back. We've not seen the last of him. No, so. (laughs) He's too good a villain to have been gone for good, do you know? Oh, yeah. This is my my dream come true. I've wanted him to come back for ages. He's the faceless footman for me. The man with many faces. Yeah, he's got a bunch of hands. Just look behind you and you're like, it's Kral. (laughs) (laughs) Kral is everywhere. It's the stuff of nightmares. He's like my golem. He just keeps coming back. Yeah. I was thinking of The Walking Dead, how like everyone's Negan. <laughs> and like, Kral is They're Negan. All Kral. Like, everything is Kral. Everyone is Kral. Oh, wow. Yeah, they all become Kral in the end. <laughs> Every wing thrup is Kral. Oh, Untested Kral detected. Untested Kral. <laughs> Undead Kral detected. Ooh. Oh, spooky. We'll get the answer at some anyway, point. We're just we, going to have we to digress. wait, aren't we? Unfortunately. <laughs> But yeah, uh, with these with these puzzles though, did anybody get them? Did you get the answers before they did? Because uh, you know, particularly with the table leg, I I was stumped. I'm going to be honest. I yeah, I, I I had no idea. I'd have been squished. I was there thinking like, how does the wire get used in this room? To I thought like, the table leg might have been a door handle, so you turn the cog to make it fit in yep. the door. Ooh, but that. that- obviously was wrong but when they said about like don't get it right all the time (laughs) like unscrewing the tabletop i was like okay there are three cogs on the door maybe you put the table like in the middle of those Mm. cogs and turn it okay which 
would have squished me by the time I would have been able to do that. So depends how strong the tabletop is. I just got the image of the three of us in this room, like just smacking bits of table against different things. Yeah, being like, how does it work? And, until we die. Yep. Yeah. I wonder whether those extra bits on the table was a genuine red herring, or maybe there was more than one way to solve the room. Mm. Well, so this is, I think, where David's you know escape room mm. experience comes into play because you know if you do, I don't know if you've done many escape rooms. I've only really done the one, and I. Was, I was awful at it. I was so stressed <laughs> that I was just shouting at things. But dad was with me at the time. It was just Aww. like, oh my God. <laughs> uh, but they do, you know, they'll give you keys and things like that in earlier rooms that then get used much later on. But you're there like trying everything with these keys and like, why are they working? Uh, you know, it's <laughs> like you say, as a, as a red herring. I've similarly done one escape room and my response to stress was to just focus on like the most immediate puzzle I could do by myself and block everyone else's yelling out and just be like, I just need to go into my corner and solve this. <laughs> and did it work? Uh, 50-50. It was okay. all right. It helped later down the line, but in the, in the immediate, I think everyone was a bit annoyed that I was like, <laughs> I can't focus. Everyone's yelling. Yeah, it's supposed to be a team sport, isn't it? Mm. But I just can't, I can't handle it. <laughs> the pressure. Very much depends on who's on your team. There's yeah. so many things to solve. You got a clock counting down. I mean, you know, we, we had like an hour, I think. These guys mm. had three rounds. 30 seconds. <laughs> yeah. Nah. Way to pile the pressure on. Oh, yeah. And it feels like all these rooms in this strange puzzle have so much pressure. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah they can all they can all kill you. Um, and I don't know whether <laughs> David had some kind of like major contingency plan for if that happened. Mm. He kind of said he did, but I'm like, okay, unless you can like instantly teleport them out and it's like a big red cross comes across and yeah. I don't know, Simon Cowell's there saying no. Yeah, I, I, <laughs> I don't know. Or whether it's just like, oh, okay, you know, new characters. Oh, but we've become so no. invested in them. Can you imagine if they just got squished? I'm dreading this day. But that's such a lovely thing that David's done in that he's treading that really fine line between challenging his players and really trusting that they can rise to that challenge. And it's yeah. so nice that he's yeah. giving them these puzzles that are genuinely really complicated and confusing and hard. Mm -hmm. But he really believes that they can do it and they can. Yeah. So that I think that's really cool. Yeah, he knows he knows that balance, doesn't he? Because as a listener, you don't want to you don't want to hear them acing everything and and beating every single monster really really mm -hmm. easily because it's just not you want that drama don't you you want that entertainment well Orin seems to like to ramp that entertainment up <laughs> yes, by healing the monsters so no danger of that oh there my God. <laughs> we love you ben it it reminded me of you know the the kind of elation of them solving that first wall room it did take my mind back to when they were in Crowell's underground tower and they suddenly yeah. twigged about the table being the... Oh, yeah. I can't remember. Phylactery, that's the yeah. word, isn't it? Yeah. Well, that, that was the yeah first puzzle. It was a very kind of similar like light bulb moment for me that made me go, so oh, of course, brilliant. yeah. So good. We love a puzzle. That phylactery was probably the first puzzle that they mm. really did. Yeah. Mm, with the diary as well. Yeah, yeah. Yes. Putting the, the entries together. Yeah, in the right yeah, yeah. place. Yeah. Um, that it's kind of nice to yeah. see a bit more of that. Well, should we talk about the next bits of the puzzle? Yeah, yeah. yeah tell, us, tell us the next puzzles. Okay. So the puzzles continue in episode 35, batteries not included. And I'm just going to say right now, Pippa, that I did not keep track of which rooms they were going into. I found That's it right. too difficult to figure out which door led to which room. So I just know what the rooms are like. It's all good. It's <laughs> so all good. They open, was it the blue door that you yep. said at the end? Mm -hmm. And then, so they open the door. There's a room with basically a drawbridge and a pit on the other side and essentially they need to work out how to lower the drawbridge because that seems to be the way out but there's no way on this side where they are to be able to do it so they try to look around for more clues from Kay. they don't really find one in this room there's lots of writing on the walls there's different types of wood different types of spells and different types of creatures and there's 24 of them mm -hmm. total and they realize that each spell is a different school of magic. The wood is from different regions in the world. And all the creatures are different elements. Yep. And essentially, this room is a room where they learn to design wands with all these different components. So yep. good. Yes. Genius. However, getting it wrong means that acid starts filling up like a well and it's a 30 foot drop into the well. And every time they get something wrong, it fills up about 10 feet with acid. So they've got basically three chances before acid overflows and starts spilling into the room and kills them. <laughs> they manage it. 
just they managed to make a wand of dispel magic i believe yeah, i was a bit so fluke lucky in there. a little bit of fluke well <laughs> it's fluke and also the way they figure it out is that guy reveals he's got all these wands from nowhere and june is like why are they in my tea caddy what yeah. are you doing so they fiddle about with those orin carves the wand they use dispel magic on i think a rune over the door <laughs> yeah i yeah. struggled to visualize things so i felt like i was losing the thread but that opened another door into a room with a bunch of golems pointing crossbows at them and they found a clue saying defend yourself which yeah. they didn't feel particularly confident about was that the obsidian room he said something That's about it, a big yeah. obsidian table yeah, yeah a big slab in the middle yeah. of the room yep yep i'm with you very very creepy at this point orin works out that it's a cube yes because of the way the doors are placed i could not visualize it enough to figure out which doors led it to which rooms just me though no, i know oh they, my god they kept saying the phrase like oh, okay that makes sense i was yeah. like it's like it does, does? <laughs> It was no less entertaining to listen to, though. I found it great. (laughs) I could visualise the insides of each room, but not where the different coloured doors were. So I looked at the map on Patreon and it was a bit easier to work it out, but I still, my brain was still a bit like, what is happening? Yeah, don't don't worry, it wasn't just you. Uh (laughs) (laughs) Um, I'm so impressed with all the players that they actually managed to make sense of that because... I think my eyes probably would have gone crossed and I would have said, you know what? You guys just leave me around and I'll do the puzzles yeah. inside <laughs> yeah, the room. Just going to sit this one out. Yeah. I'll help you when I'm <laughs> in the room. You guys work out which direction yeah. we need to go in. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So then they go into a different room and all along the ceiling of the room are glass pipes filled with orbs. And inside these orbs are little creatures. And I think Ben makes the analogy of the machines where you put some money in and you turn the crank and a little ball pops out. Yeah. There are also two cylinders and two like crane grabby type things. And the cylinders say release and extract. So that sounds ominous. <laughs> this room gave me feels. I know. So they try release and Gwen stands under a pipe ready to catch one of the orbs as it falls. And unfortunately she misses and a little fire fairy comes out once the orb smashes on the ground and starts whizzing around the room and hurting them. So they try to get it to stop and accidentally kill it. Juna revives it and they heal it and then it starts hurting them again. So then they mm, they kill it yeah. again. Yeah. And Kidu's just trying so hard to like Enkidu oh, is and, So Enkidu's really upset in the first place, looking at all the creatures trapped in these orbs, and then he becomes really upset thinking about how your whole life you're just trapped in this ball being used by something else for a, a greater purpose and you've got no choice. Mm-hmm. Which I think was a little interesting insight into the kind of thing that really gets to Enkidu. Yes. And then using the fly spell, they fly up and get all the balls out of the pipes. Um, David says they can do it within the 10 minutes that the spell lasts. And they've got a whole bunch of them. He describes sort of different numbers of each one. And they essentially fill up the cylinders and see what happens when they use extract. And essentially the creatures are sacrificed and their life force is consumed. And Enkidu just drops to his knees Mm. and is devastated and i think they all agree with the sentiment i really hate this family Um, yeah and that's where the episode ends really really did it just brings it home it's not just a puzzle it was a really harrowing ending yeah Yeah, it's awful and it doesn't help that the creatures are really cute there's like a little lightning chaffinch and then there's a little hedgehog and a cute little fairy and yeah i mean david said he took he took care to make sure that they were cute animals to kind of drive that point home Mm -hmm. not necessarily that he wanted the party to deal with you know like having to kill little cute things but you know just to kind of more about the wingthrop's character right yeah yeah yeah. Yeah, and what they see as being important. Because he did say, like, all of these puzzles are for what the Wingthrops value as being important skills. Like, this is what would make you a Wingthrop. And it seems like the ability to, you know, close off your empathy or, you know, close off your emotions and kill a, like, little cute creature in order to pass a test mm-hmm. is what would make you a true Wingthrop. Yeah. And it's interesting that out of all of them, Enkidu is the one who instantly sees through that. Yeah. Everyone else is in puzzle mode. Let's solve the puzzle and deal with the moral implications later. Whereas straight away, he's the one that's like, this is not right. 
Yeah, which is so... Yeah. I was so surprised by Juna's response because she's so connected to the animal world mm. that her thing was like, well, maybe we can free them all later, but we've got to get out of this room. So there was a slightly militant, yeah. blunt kind of practicality about her in that moment, whereas Enkidu was so yeah. devastated. And I've said it before, and I'll say it again. As an animal lover, as well as obviously Daryl clearly loves animals quite a lot, Mm -hmm. I really felt that awful Mm -hmm. feeling. Well, it is weird because, I mean, we have discussed this, but it's that... You know, it's you know it's a puzzle. So you're there like, okay, how do I solve this puzzle? So I listening to it, it was like, okay, well, you would just use those... It took Daryl as in Kidu to be like, wait a minute, think about what we're doing. Mm-hmm. For me to be like, to think about how horrible that situation was. And that's what genius about David. Like you said, he's not a horrible person, but he puts these moral questions in front of you. And it's like, how do you feel about this? How would you deal with this? Yeah. And yeah, for Daryl to pick it up and, you know, they had this discussion about the ethics of it all. Mm-hmm. Apparently they had to, like, you know, stop actually recording the main part of the episode so that they, you know, because this discussion carried on. But yeah, to put that into what I would consider, like, you know, a really happy-go-lucky, almost comedy-style <laughs> D&D podcast yeah. was a really brave, great choice. Yeah, absolutely. It really gives you the sense that we've had that there are much more ominous and dark elements at play mm-hmm. that have been threaded throughout. Like, it's not letting up. There is this sort of, like, funny, comedic... A little bit quaint sort of happy surface to it and then underneath of these real themes of danger and violence and the sinister nature of things yeah. that really are it's that thing about not really being able to trust anything on face value isn't it mm-hmm. it's yeah. that that sense that there's always something a bit darker bubbling away underneath and it really comes out when you like if you look closer you really see it yeah yeah and the ongoing part of it as well like you know this isn't just a puzzle room this isn't just them being like oh okay you do it this time to make the battery it makes you realize like this is all the batteries that they have yeah all the batteries that they make for ones all of those uh mm-hmm. elementals and things like that they've got caught in these batteries of varying it's sizes a factory basically yeah you know this is their technique for making that happen and they're not just being caught there are people whose livelihoods are trapping them yeah, yeah. there are trappers mm-hmm. so they've created an industry to essentially exploit natural resources what an interesting comment on industrialism david (laughs) (laughs) so clever (laughs) oh but also right so we've talked about the pokemon ethics room Uh, but can we also talk about the wand room the the feels room uh for sure (laughs) gotta release them all i'm still scarred Um, i'm still scarred yeah but yeah can we talk about the wand room because there were a lot more options on those walls they just so happened to get the one that they wanted first but there were some really cool spells on that list. I know. Oh, Phantom Steed. Phantom Steed. Could have brought back Bessie. Oh. Why are you playing on my heart Bessie my 2.0? love for animals, Sam? <laughs> All I want is for the animals to live and be okay. Can I check? None of them, none of them have Dispel Magic as a spell, do they? I don't think so. I mean, the no, closest so. that they've got the is Enkidu with, yeah, counter Okay, because I got confused initially. And I don't was worry like, about it, Pippa, because I realised in a previous episode, I got confused between Anti-Magic Field, which is a spell, and Anti-Magic Cone, which is a monster ability. Yeah. Well, That's uh, not I mean, a spell. Enough, yeah. It happens. Oh, <laughs> if they'd have taken, if they'd have asked to borrow Ferrisine's machine, would that have worked in this room? But- Ooh, I don't know how big but I don't know whether that would have would that have because they dispelled the the magical glyph that then uh, you know okay. mm-hmm. over this thing that I don't know whether like if they disabled the you know used an anti magic field I don't would it just destroy it might do or it might just disable it at the time and I don't Maybe. know whether that means that anything opens or if it just means it shuts down all the magic of the room but it's a thought True. yeah don't know that links to what. I think the idea that the wing thrups would only let you solve it with what was present in the room. Yeah. So mm. you wouldn't need to bring anything else from outside in order yeah, to be able true. to solve the puzzle. There's, you know, because they have been trying to do it with everything in the room. I don't know whether if they had attempted to use batteries from outside, as they thought about doing, mm-hmm. you might have thought that, you know, the wing thrups would have thought head on that one and there's probably some kind of punishment that David yeah. has been 
like holding back like oh you know okay yeah. you get like a no massive cheating. blast in the room or something totally. or you fail that part of the trial mm-hmm. i don't know you know simon cowell moment again um <laughs> but yeah you know because I, I did think like you know okay he's got counterspell which for the uh like the mechanics of it counterspell is a reaction mm-hmm. whereas dispel is like you use your action to dispel an ongoing thing okay um cool and I, I, yeah, I, there's a bit of me wondering as well, because they keep the wand at the end of that. Yeah. Are they going to still have the wand when they leave this trial? Like, do they get to keep absolutely everything that they everything create? Everything that they pick up, yeah. Yeah, because they are, they are pocketing things. And, what happens you know, to the creatures? I, th- I think they... I think they're gone. No. Can't go back for them. I th- yeah. I think they're going to have bigger problems on their hands once they finish this maze, to be honest, than going back for those little spheres. Yeah, yeah. Let's Should we talk on. about the next bit? Yeah. Let's move on. Because I was going to say, I really hope they release them and then all of these like little electric hedgehogs and stuff attack the Wingthrops and they are the true heroes of this story. Just like the Pokemon movie. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Episode 36 is Forging Ahead. And again, I'm going to read what I wrote because there's a lot to say. So having completed this room, which I'm whatever we're calling it now, this sphere room or hedgehog room, feels room, we're going to call it. The feels room. The party continue with the maze and they enter back into the room they saw before, which we could call the forge room, the furnace room. So to describe it again, you've got this big 30-foot cube-shaped forge in the centre of the room. Mm. Uh, It reaches up to the ceiling. It's got slits around the edge, which you can kind of peek inside it. And a number of hatches, some of them are in the centre of each side and some of them are along like the edges of the sides. That's how I'm kind of visualising it. There are three crates against one of the walls as well. And they're labelled Star Iron, Dracaros Bronze and Mithril. So inside each of the hatches is like a small little container, like a clay pot. And from each clay pot, there are chutes, which run from each corner down into central pots and then into a big black box in the centre of this forge. There's also the words esoteric alloy value 24 on the side of this black box when they peek inside it. And on the crates, they have like the values of each metal, or I think they do an investigation check and Orin knows about this. So the star iron is worth one, Dracaros bronze is worth two, Mithril is worth three. And with a, a cheeky extra little bit of information, Orin then also knows that Star Iron and Dracaros Bronze shouldn't mix. So they deduce that the point of this puzzle is to create an alloy by melting various kind of combinations of these metals to make it add up to 24. But they've got to do it in such a way that the bronze and the iron don't directly mix. Otherwise, everything I assume is going to blow up. So Gwen rolls a natural 20 and notices a handprint with some arcane markings on the side of the forge. And Enkidu realises that one of these runes means fire. Of course he does. And so they deduce this is how to turn the forge on. Juna decides to go ahead and turn it on and it heats up. Two of the pots pour some metal. So there's obviously some inside it already. And red lights illuminate the room. They all take damage as the hatches pop open and they schooled everyone in the room. So they've done it wrong, basically, to start with. Yeah. Ruana disappears, Aggie melts, and Orin and Gaius take quite a lot of damage from this. Um, They all heal each other. And Orin looks inside the hatches and realises the hatches that had the molten metal in them don't open. So they work out that the forge already contains a certain amount of these metals. I think there's one bronze and two mithril. And they add everything up. They realise they don't need everything in the crates. And they start to work out this puzzle of how to stack everything so that the reaction between the star iron and the Dracaros bronze doesn't happen. Eventually, they manage to solve this puzzle. I think they end up with two different methods. Both of them are going to work. But they go with one where they put the mithril in the opposite corners. And there's one piece of mithril left over, which they stick in the caddy. Turn the forge on and then after the kind of smelting has happened, the like they open one of the, the doors and the forge has compressed this big box at the bottom into a, like a big beach ball sized sphere and they get it out of the forge and the doors unlock. So that was that puzzle completed. Then they enter the, the golem room, obsidian room. With the uh, crossbows. Yeah. Yes, this one, crossbow room. Uh, So you've got four golems in each corner holding crossbows. There's a big obsidian slab in the middle of the room. And then at the far end, there's a brass table with a pair of goggles in a holder on it. Gaius has a really good idea, actually, and goes to look at each of these golems to see if he can kind of disarm them and pull the, the bolts out of the crossbow. None of them actually have them loaded, but there's almost like a mechanism inside each of those golems where you can't get to the bolts, but, you know, you can see them. They're going to be able to shoot these bolts almost down their arms. They sort of investigate the goggles without touching them. You can sort of see there's a slight sheen over the lenses. But as Orin sort of approaches the table, each of the golems takes aim at him. 
as he steps away from the table, they then lower their weapons. They do an investigation check on the slab itself and they find another clue from Kay, which just says, defend yourself, as Hannah said. Yeah. Enkidu does like a little inside check with Hina about the handwriting and it neither confirms nor denies whether it's Kral or not. They do know that it's an educated person. Maybe not quite the same way that he used to write his Ks, but it could be sort of before he went a bit insane. We don't really get a clear answer on that. They agree that because they're about to potentially get into quite a bad situation with these golems, they're going to have a a short rest. And then once they are ready to kind of deal with this room, Orin crouches by the slab and prepares his protector dragon. Really good idea using the mage hand to lift up the goggles. Yeah. Because as this happens, all of these golems start attacking the mage hand, which luckily, because it's a spectral thing, it has no effect. And this is kind of where we leave off is they start Mm. to attack one of the golems and it doesn't do a huge amount of damage to it. But we feel like this is probably where this next episode next time is going to be this kind of confrontation with these four golems. Uh, I mean, really good idea using the mage hand because it kind of instantly showed them that these things are like pinpoint accuracy. Yes. Uh, I think David points out that it's not hitting the goggles at all. It's going straight through the hand every single time at the same point. Um, Anybody else have the thought of like moving the hand so that it's one golem shooting another golem? Ooh, that is a good idea. Oh, I didn't no, think I did of not. That. Yeah, have I kind of I idea. had that idea and I was like, "Oh yeah, you could just like literally put it in between them and then they're both shooting each other. You don't have to waste your spell slots and everything. That's they a just great idea. eventually one of them will die. Wear each other out." Yeah, yeah. Yeah. That's so smart. What a great idea. Oh, thank you. And actually, the way that that slab, I'm assuming the way I'm visualising it, the way that slab is positioned, you can probably only have to deal with two of them. Yeah. So if you take out two of them... And then you've got a barrier of protection. Yeah. Good idea. That's really smart. Maybe we'll be sitting back here in a month going, yeah, you called it, Sam. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, we'll see. They'll probably do it in the next episode. And then I'm like, oh, well, that's an old idea. (laughs) That idea was so four weeks ago. (laughs) (laughs) What I was wondering about was the idea of like defend yourself because didn't they take the tabletop? Yeah, they did. They did yeah. from the first. Something about yeah. using the tabletop as a shield of some kind. Yeah, I don't know. That was partially what went through my brain, mm-hmm. but then also I was still a bit stuck on the maths puzzle <laughs> because that's not how my mind works at all. No, and it it, it was it was kind of confusing because we had uh, like you know Juna had or Vicky had the input of like oh, it being this, and I was there going mm-hmm. yeah okay that makes, and then they're like no, and I'm like oh, no no it doesn't make <laughs> sense. <laughs> it's like <laughs> just kind of letting them do the maths for me. Uh, no. That is not my kind of challenge. I wish I'd sat there with a notepad the first time I listened to it and tried to work it out in real time. Because once you know the end bit, it's like, oh, mm. would have been fun to try and do it in real time. But I just quite enjoyed listening to them try to figure it out. Yeah. I mean, it, it was interesting with a lot of these challenges, kind of hearing uh, like Orin take the front foot. Yeah. Because, or, or Ben, you know, coming up with the mm. maths. Because you were like, this this really fits the character dynamic. Mm. Yeah. And we had some really good input from Chris as Gaius as well, you know, coming up with things and discovering things that I was like, oh, yeah. okay. Okay, getting a big wing thrappy in here. Oh, yeah. So, okay, having done the notes for the episode that I was doing and then re-listening to this one, Mm. maybe this is a long shot, but there's 24 words on the wall. Yeah. And there's 24 esoteric alloy values, 24. Yeah. Okay. What is it about the number 24? Good question. 24 hours. Mm. They really like Jack Bauer. (laughs) (laughs) Six rooms with four walls. That's up to 24. (gasps) 24 doors, maybe. Although not all of the rooms have doors on them, do they? (laughs) Scratch that. But yeah, I don't know whether that's just like... Some kind of number significance, maybe. Yeah, I don't know whether that's David just being like, this is the number and just made one room and then decided, oh, and then there's going to be 24 in this room or like, I don't know. Mm. But it just seems very, like, very coincidental. That yeah. it repeats. No, I agree. Did they count the number of uh, elemental creatures? No, and I meant to make a note to write down exactly how many of each, and I didn't. Oh, mm. so they do actually specify... I, well, I think when oh. they say how many of each have we got, he says there's two electrical ones and there's... But I think he ends up going like, there's three or four of this one and there's five or six of this one or whatever. So maybe there's not an exact figure, but okay, yeah. maybe he's just not giving too much away. I bet it's 24. Yeah, I bet maybe it's 24. it took like a, <laughs> a proper check of them being like, oh, I want to count yeah. them because he's not going to give them everything. Mm. Um. No, of course. <laughs> of course not. 24. Yeah. There's also, I want to know about the colours of those sigils, like what that means. Because again, there was some kind of significance about them 
obviously there's lots of like colors as in like this is the red room and the blue room and the green room but then some of the sigils were black and some of them were white and then some were gold and yeah gold, and i'm yeah. wondering maybe there's well i'm sure there's more to that but i'm not picking up on what that is at the moment yeah, I, d- I didn't know whether, I mean, obviously color coding it so that they can know where they're going. Mm. Um, but yeah, it was the, you know, the black made sense for me with the obsidian. Uh, mm. which, which was the green room again? Good was question. The green room the- I may have to look Because I feel like the blue room was the batteries. And was the red room the furnace? Yeah, I think it was. It's whatever one is ahead when they're inside the piston room. I can have a quick look. But I, I, I kind of, I, I don't know whether it will be, but have an idea that maybe the piston room is the final puzzle that they have to take the bits from all the other conjoining rooms, like this orb. Uh, they have to connect the wires and the clamps to the battery, which then go into the little mm. rods in the cruel space, and that doing all of that and yeah. unlocking all of the doors in that area is how they yeah. then solve this entire puzzle or i could just be wrong and it's like oh well done you've passed mm-hmm. every single trial here you go here is is a triangle for you well done you are now officially <laughs> a wing throw i hate the wing throw-ups. i think they're <laughs> awful yeah don't mince your words i love the puzzles but they hurt animals <laughs> I mean, I like I like Myra, but we've always thought that she can be really prickly and she's got some opinions that you're like, wait a minute. And now it makes so much oh, yeah, sense. Know you know, she's had this blasted into her brain for God knows how many years. I mean, if anything, Theracene is the one that is more down to earth. But the more mm. I think about it, she is quite unhinged as well. She is one of the ones where she seems nice on the surface and then you look closer yeah, and there's something yeah. sinister about her. Mm-hmm. Like like we were saying in the last one, or you were saying, Sam, like how does she know how to build a contraption that's such a high level spell already? Yeah. Like she's not even tested. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's so suspicious. They are already clearly very comfortable with the whole trapping elementals and using their powers to power their wands because it's the way that things have always been so it's kind of mm. it's not even using their powers it's using their yeah, actual their life essence. force yeah. it's using them up yeah oh this makes me sad that's why i hate the wing throps. yeah I, they deserve to die now i got to the point where i was like <laughs> you know okay all right <laughs> maybe maybe all the vondels didn't deserve to die but i was ready for them to like get an ass kicking and i'm really really looking forward to them just being like breaking into the wingthrop stronghold and be like you guys deserve to die and just yeah. pure carnage <laughs> and then they can have an episode afterwards to feel guilty about what they've done sure but so long as they kill them all <laughs> <laughs> we don't know how many there are though there could be a whole army of wingthrops the in there. Well, yeah if they kill all the wingthrops then they'd have to kill Orin and gaius uh only only the tested wing only throps. The bad Let's say that. Ones. Yeah. The tested wing throps. Oh, they can all the die. Tested wing throps. <laughs> <laughs> but they'll be tested wing throps by the end of this. One hopes. Oh right. Yeah. Okay. Well tested wing throps at this point in time. <laughs> There's a loophole there. Just jump through it. <laughs> the wing throps totally know that they're inside this maze though, don't they? Oh yeah. 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 But also, you know, when, um, you know, this this obviously came out in this episode was that uh, Daryl had a similar theory to us about it being Crow being the K behind this. Mm-hmm. And like you kind of mentioned it there that it's, it could be his handwriting before he went crazy. Mm-hmm. So we're talking years ago. Yeah. Yeah. Centuries. Like, because the table doesn't let you jump back in time or anything. You know, you are... You're just foreseeing the f- future events. So would have known to be like, okay, they're going to do this. So I'll give them a little clue here. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that would have had to have happened a really long time ago. And you would have thought that somebody would have noticed it by this point. Which brings me back to your theory earlier, Pip, about mm. is it a different trial depending on who goes in, how many people go in with you? Yeah. And, you know, how often do they cycle? So Crowell would have then had to have known that it was this particular trial that they were going yeah. into. Yeah. Which is... In this particular timeline. Yeah. Which yeah. is really fascinating. I wouldn't put it past him though he's very powerful he I'm, is, yeah. I'm assuming talking about him in the present tense he's not gone he's everywhere we've no, established this he is was yeah <laughs> is was <laughs> he is was I mean they described him as a lich and you know there's there's ways yeah, of exactly. uber powerful wizards coming back and doing things I still have hopes for a big bad or that it's not actually Rowana it's been Crowl all along who is now a oh, little cat <laughs> it's Orin it's Orin and Crowl no. who are one and the same no. <laughs> sorry Ben I don't really think it's Orin <laughs> Do I? There are some times when I think it fits. 
But only only some, only some. I feel like we haven't given Gwen much attention this episode, but she's been a major player in getting mm. through all the oh, puzzles yeah. and sorting things out and really pushing everything forward. Absolutely. Yeah, well, she was the one who um, realised as they were working on that wand that it didn't matter what power source they used. Yeah. That was the bit that was really stumping them. Yeah. And she was the one that found the hand. Yeah. Yeah, she found the hand mm-hmm. to power the furnace. It kind of did this whole like, I don't really know what I'm looking at here. So, you know, the rest of you yeah. can, but I've done my part. I'm just going to just gonna point at it. <laughs> I think because the way Grace has played it is like so unassuming. It's yeah. like, oh, I'll just do this thing. It's quite easy to sort of like overlook yeah. just how important Gwen has been in, in mm. all of it. Mm-hmm. But actually all of them have had quite a significant contribution. Yeah. It really it, feels like they've been a real team. Yeah, it's a cool five it. of them. Definitely. They all deserve to pass. Yeah. So far. I mean, we'll see what happens with these golems, <laughs> but... But do we want them to pass so that they can be accepted by the wing throughout? Well, we don't want them to die. Yeah, or do we want them to burn the system down from the inside? Well, yeah. Without them in it. Ooh. Yeah. If they pass, this is what I'm wondering, is it just Guy and Orin who become fully fledged Winthrops, or is it all five of them? All five of them, get, you know, gave themselves as like, oh, it's five people doing the test. Do they all then qualify as Winthrops, or are they just eligible marriage material? Yeah, yeah I think they'd probably be like eligible to marry Winthrops mm. then. Oh, those if they lucky people. To. Don't know why you'd want to. Ew. Guys, which puzzle was your favourite? Which one, if you had to go and actually physically do it, which one would you choose to go and oh. take part in? Oh, the wand one. I did really enjoy really? the wand. Yeah. I think the wand one. Okay. Yeah, I thought it was really clever. Mm. Yeah. Okay. That was easy. That was easy. Yeah. <laughs> I liked listening to the forge one, but I, Sam, would be hopeless at it. <laughs> I mean, it's pretty obvious which one I disliked the most. Not necessarily yeah. like, oh, I wish it wasn't in yeah. the episode, but just yeah. that was the one that got me. Yeah. And we don't mm-hmm. know if it's the last of the trials as well. This is true. I feel yeah. like there this is, is the true. big thing of, like I say, you know, everything collected from one room, something that they can only see once they can put on those goggles. Is it the golems? Are we looking at the slab? I don't even know what, what we're this supposed is what to be I'm looking I'm wondering if for. something will appear on the slab. Ooh. Yeah, that I would don't make know. sense, wouldn't it? So is that your favourite puzzle? Yeah, I think it might be actually, yeah? because it hasn't okay. been worked out yet. Like I said, you know, it was my first thought of like, oh yeah, you put that there so it destroys two of them. It's a good solution. Which may give you a chance to stick on these goggles and see what you're dealing with, because defend yourself might, you know, with it being written on that part of the table could Mm -hmm. mean that oh there's something some kind of shield or something like oh you know an attraction shield or something that attracts all bolts to it these are things that exist within the player's handbook as items that you can give to your players it's like a shield of arrow catching Mm -hmm. so that is you know a possibility with something like that but then you know i have this idea that those those things might be used later we haven't heard pippa's favorite puzzle what about you oh oh um I don't know. I hadn't even thought about my answer. I think I think if I had to actually be plonked into one of those rooms and do it on my own, I would probably choose the forge one because I think adding it up, I'd get there eventually as long as I had a piece of paper. I think actually seeing it in front of me, I would have got there in the end. Mm. I think my, my least favourite, please do not put me in that room, would have been the wall room because I do not want those Swisher. walls coming in on me. <laughs> mm. I might have been yeah. a bit flatter. Yeah, 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 yeah exactly. Uh... Not okay with that. I was just wondering what kind of upgrades you guys are expecting for Aggie 3. Also, I'm really annoyed that nobody did the whole like Aggie 2, 2, I thought 2, it. push back. No. I've thought that every time they say, what does Maybe Aggie next do? Episode. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. It'll happen eventually. It's too late. It's done. It's Aggie 3 now, isn't it? Oh, yeah. yeah. Aggie 3. Can you imagine by Aggie 20, it's just going to be like this absolutely hench. Yeah, like- yeah. It's like this full-on like power mech yeah. supercharged <laughs> i pour all the teas yeah yeah yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah the hydro goose teapot where it's just got so many different spouts so that's the upgrade we want like, this yeah. one does acid and this one is his blowtorch <laughs> yeah yeah yeah. oh my god like a like a cross between a teapot goose and a beholder just oh the... yeah <laughs> oh that's and terrifying anti-magic field there we yeah. go yeah <laughs> cone sorry cone yeah Anti-magic home, yeah. Oh, that's actually a good name for the hedgehog room, is the anti- <laughs> anti-magic feels. Oh, anti-magic feels. Oh, what's happened to me? It's the hay fever. I don't know if we can do better than that pun. <laughs> uh, Favourite moments then, guys? Gaius's backstory. Mm. Oh, good Give choice. me more. I want to know. Tell me things. I demand it. <laughs> I feel bad picking another Gaius thing now, but I think it would have been like Gaius randomly picking, or maybe not randomly, maybe there's more to it, but picking that correct wand out of a choice of eight. That was great. Just that natural kind of like the wing throat blood. That realisation of, oh, I picked the right one. That's mine. What about yours, Sam? 
for me, although it wasn't my favourite moment, it for me it was the like the bit that stood out most over all of these, which was the mm. realization of like what are we doing? For me, that that really hit hard mm. in amongst a bunch of things that are like okay, solving these crazy rooms that could kill you at some point. That was the one that wasn't particularly dangerous, but it mm. hurt them in such a different way that yeah, I just I I had to applaud yeah. David for that. I would never have thought of that. We call it a standout moment rather yeah, than a favorite moment. Yeah, favorite moment of role playing. Yeah, for me, yes, definitely. And I know we've talked a lot about the map this episode and we've sort of signposted to Patreon already, mm-hmm. but I did just want to do a little cheeky plug for yes. the Patreon. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. you do get content like the map and the amount of stuff you get for the incredibly low price that the tiers are is so great. And you do get to contribute to the world. Yeah. As we've seen, Shambling, Shambling Mound. Mound. Patreon polls. Yep. And the chipmunk. And you also get the episodes early and you can even join for, I think it's a pound. Yep. Yeah. The lowest tier is a pound a month, which considering what you get from these wonderful players is like, it's nothing. <laughs> They're practically giving it away. <laughs> Best investment I've I've made this year, I would say. There's a community of us now as well, which is just like really nice. Yeah. Like knowing that other people are as obsessed with this show as we are. And mm-hmm. you can then discuss your own theories. Like, you yeah. know, come join us on the Discord on where the there Discord, is like a... Discord, yeah. It's nice getting to know people on the Discord and seeing yeah. other people's yeah. theories and the responses to our chat. Yeah. It's really great. Jump on in. I just can't wait for the yeah, next episode. I know. I mean, I want to know how it's all solved. And the funny thing is we won't be able to talk about it for another month. I but I will be messaging you with my shock, my awe <laughs> and my joy. In yeah, the group chat's going to pop off. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> well, I guess I'll see you guys on the, yeah, on the group see you chat. Then. Oh, yeah, you will. Uh, thanks for this. This has been fun. Until then, I guess it's, uh, it's that phrase. It's that sign off time. <laughs> Let's do it. Yeah. Anon for now. Oh, that was good. <laughs> I did the arm and then I set myself off halfway through. <laughs>